Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Madhuni Krishnan. I'm joined again today by Ned Russell, who covers airlines for Skift and Airline Weekly. On today's episode, we talk about the Senate's infrastructure bill, Latin America's Latin American Airlines um, orders for aircraft, and all the interesting things that Mesa is doing. If you have any feedback for us, you can reach me at mu at skift.com. You can reach Ned at er at skift.com. Check us out, airlineweekly.com. A new issue of the weekly drops every Monday, and we update the site throughout the week. And information on how to subscribe is on airlineweekly.com. Thank you for joining us. Hey there, Ned Russell. How are you? Hey, Madhu. I'm good. How are you doing this week? You are freshly returned from Switzerland. Tell me, you know, I have not, I know a lot of our listeners have, but I have, I personally have not traveled internationally or much at all during the pandemic. Um, I've written a lot about it. So I just wanted to hear firsthand, what was your experience like with all the testing and uh, traveling to, to Europe? Well, you know, it was actually remarkably um, un, uneventful, which I think huh. is what everyone in the industry would like to hear. Uh, we, I was required to have proof of vaccination, uh, not yeah, vaccination going over, which mm-hmm. I was able to upload to my airline of choices app. You know, they didn't even ask for it at the border when I when I crossed in Switzerland. It was extremely, it was unremarkable at that point. Yeah, and uh, then coming back, uh, had to do a come back to the U.S. Had to have a COVID negative COVID test, uh, even with vaccination. Bought uh, some rapid tests for that. Again, it was you know uploaded that through the app. Uh, wasn't even asked about that at check-in. Hmm. Uh, you know, the agent did mention they say saw I had a negative test, but it wasn't asked to show anything. It was, yeah, it was it was good. It was good to get out in the world again. You know, planes were were largely full. Though the biggest difference, of course, is it's mostly Americans on flights over to Europe since right. Europeans still can't enter the U.S. But yeah, it was it was good to get out there. Good to see uh, across an ocean again. Now, what was the airport like? Ex- airport experience like in Zurich? The airport experience in Zurich was quiet. You know, I think what struck me the most is you know most flights from the U.S. land, as everyone knows, early in the you know early in the morning, seven eight a.m. We came in. My flight was the only flight in the arrivals hall wow. when I came in. Which yeah, anyone who knows the, the crush of immigration from everyone coming in is normally terrible at that time, and so it was quite remarkable to be the only flight arriving. Um, though it made for a uh, quick time through customs. So I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you had a good trip and you're back safely. And, um, uh, the international travel wasn't too much of a hassle, but, uh, uh welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, it's good to be back though. I wish I could still be hiking those peaks in such a little while longer. Well, I'm glad you're back, Ned. Now let's, let's, let's turn our attention to Latin America because there's a lot of interesting things going on, um, in South America with airlines and uh, we both covered a bit of it, but let's, let's talk. Uh, you most recently covered LATAM's earnings and order. Tell us a bit more about that. Absolutely. So LATAM uh, has you know, through the bankruptcy process reached a deal with Airbus to add uh, 28 incremental A320 NEO orders, uh, which uh, will bring them to 70 outstanding orders uh, deliveries through 2028 uh, that's just the latest deal. They previously came into an agreement with Boeing to cancel several 787 and 777 orders, or they kept two 787 orders. And uh, then it also shows up that they're uh, planning to lease five former Norwegian Air 787. So there's lots of moves at, at LATAM when it comes to, to you know, 
filling out their fleet as they look to emerge from bankruptcy. Right. Well, there's a lot of fleet activity um, in among Latin America's carriers. Goal announced an order last week as well for for more than 20 new 737 Maxes, which is something CEO Paolo Kakinov had hinted would happen during the earnings call in July, but uh, now it actually has happened. Um, and Volaris, now correct me if I'm, you know this better than me, Ned. Volaris also added some aircraft, right? Volaris hasn't added any aircraft recently. I believe it was a couple months ago. They they already have 25 deliveries scheduled through the end of 2022. So what they're doing right now is going out and getting financing for that. And uh, they lease their entire fleet. So they said they're getting some really uh, astonishing, uh, that's a direct quote uh, from their CEO, lease rate factor numbers when they go to go out for bids for sale and leasebacks. They just put together a package of CDB aviation for four A320 Neos, but uh, I expect to see you know more from them on that as, Let, as they let's, go forward. Let's pause there, drill down a little deeper on that. Um, when you hear CEOs say things like astonishing, it's worth asking why. Can you tell us why? Why is this astonishing? What's going on now uh, with leases? <laughs> So this is a, a topic I want to dive in further, Madhu, but thank you for putting me on the spot with this. <laughs> <laughs> the, essentially, lease rate factors, um, the lower the lease rate factor, the better the deal is for the airline. Right. And, and what I have been hearing from several people now is there's so many lessers that are out there bidding for these, these sale and leaseback deals that lease rate factors are falling to, as Enrique Belchina put it, his astonishing lows. So it's really good for the airlines that they're looking for financing to put together aircraft. And you've listened to a couple of the lessers, and it seems like they're also seeing this this in there, Madhu. Is that is that right? Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're seeing there's a lot of appetite in the market for these sale lease back deals, as you mentioned. And um, mm-hmm. there, but but the, the the thing that I find kind of interesting is you hear these you know airlines say they're um, they've got these astonishing deals, then you hear the lessers say there's more more hunger than ever, more demand than ever for their aircraft, particularly younger assets. So what I can't square in my mind, and I'd be curious to see how your reporting deals with this, is uh, if there's great demand for aircraft, then how are there astonishing deals on aircraft? That doesn't seem to make much sense to me. I don't I'd... Well, this seems to go back, go into, go into the narrative that we're seeing out of Latin America is a lot of LATAM's order, Goal's order, um, Aeromexico's order a, f- a few weeks ago, a mm-hmm. few months ago, you know, they're about replacing older aircraft right. with new models. And so that appetite, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think is mostly for new generation aircraft, Maxes and Neos yeah. primarily. And airlines are really accelerating their fleet uh, renewals because, I mean, they see, for one thing, climate is a huge, uh, huge benefit. And then we've all seen that through the crisis, they've retired older aircraft. Airlines have gotten rid of older jets in right. favor of new technology. Uh, because it, it, I mean, there's a lot of built-in savings, lower fuel burn, like I said, climate, lower carbon emissions. It's is a lot of good things, and it seems like I, I was speaking to Sirium, and prices are down for both A3, not prices, sorry, values for new A320 Neos, new 737 Max 8s are down from prior to the pandemic, at least three percent, as much as six uh, percent, I believe, on the Max side. And you know, those are that's that really creates something of a buyer's market for airlines that, that want to get aircraft. Buyer's hmm. market, lease, you know, leasing market. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's that's interesting. Why are valuations dropping when there's de- more demand for this these aircraft? 
Uh, I'd argue that at least on the map side, there's still whitetails out there. That's there's true. still aircraft that need to need to be you know fulfilled. And then Boeing, of course, lost orders during the grounding, so they have on. Um, I believe they have delivery slots that aren't committed. So there's this, yeah, I think that's the pressure. And I don't think value is a deal. I mean, the, there's, a, you know, Airbus said in its earnings call that it there, it would take them 15 years of current production rates to, to go through their backlog of NEOs. Yeah. But Airbus also plans to what nearly double the production of NEOs that's in the next true. five years. So, Correct. I mean, that puts downward pressure on values, knowing that you're soon going to have you know, I'm throwing this out there, like 100 NEOs coming off the line a month versus 50, and that's not the exact that's number. 64. But yes. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, that puts pressure when there's going to be more availability of something rather than less. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, but, you know, speaking of retirements, uh, Lufthansa CEO, Karsten Spohr, last week um, said the, I mean, it's kind of, when you hear it and we see it on paper, like what, how many fleet types are they're pulling? It's just, it, it is astonishing to use that word. It's uh, you know, A380s, 3400s, 300s, MD11s, Boeing 67s, and Austria Austrians 777s. I mean, that's a lot of different fleet types that are just exiting that fleet altogether. Um, and probably had an in-service life of several more years. Um, before this pandemic changed everything. Absolutely. And I mean, that's a good thing. It's going to result in Lufthansa emerging a leaner, Lufthansa group emerging a leaner, stronger carrier coming out of this. Though, of course, you've got the, the Ryanairs and the Wizairs of the world circling eagerly to pick up what they, they can't fly after they, they retire all those aircraft. But you know, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. yeah interesting times. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's squeeze in a little little break here, Ned, and we'll be we'll catch you on the flip. And we are back, Ned. Th <laughs> thanks for joining, rejoining me after that break. Um, so, um, so here here's something interesting. So I was listening to Mesa Air Group's earnings call on. Um, uh, yesterday, which was Monday, August 9th. We're recording this on Tuesday, August 10th. Um, and uh, I, I heard something that I, I think we'll hear a lot more of as uh, this pandemic starts to recede or as whatever it's doing, you know, as the industry climbs out of this crisis. And that is, so Mesa had a lot of operational issues during the second quarter. Some of them spilled over to its partner, American, that spilled over to the press. We saw a lot of that, you know, weather, staffing, there's a lot of speculation. Mesa actually said much of its operational issues came from maintenance and supply chain problems, which I thought was fascinating. Interesting. So are they having issues getting parts from, from Asia or what? Uh, tell us a little more. They didn't really say from where, but I'm guessing Asia. But the issue is, you know, like Mesa, like a lot of airlines, deferred maintenance at the start of the pandemic to conserve cash. And, you know, those, those maintenance events, see maintenance events, you try saying that fast, um, are coming due, like sea checks. And their CRJ fleet needed a cabin refurbishment. So all those things are coming to you, but, and they, they lined up MROs, maintenance providers to, to, um, to take this excess and to, to reduce their backlog of maintenance, but they're running into an issue where they're just not enough spare parts. Um, 
and that has a lot which to is do. hardly limited to to them i mean i i think your piece mentioned ford and gm have faced similar issues getting parts for for cars it's, yes. it's it's a much broader issue facing industrial supply chains absolutely i mean ford and gm temporarily temporarily idled um, production facilities because they weren't they couldn't get parts and semiconductors and um and it, it's it's just you know we it's it's economy wide it's not just industry wide so the there's shipping is constrained ports are backed up ports in asia are periodically closing because of covid outbreaks um so i wonder i think we're going to see a lot more of this you know mesa said something mesa made it abundantly clear that they did not have staffing problems they um the airline has 250 pilots in its training pipeline it had all the flight attendants needed that were in place during the operational issues but it just um it couldn't get didn't have enough aircraft spares to to run its full schedule when weather occurred. So, um, yeah, this I think this this is a story to bear watching. Now, I know Ned, you roll your eyes and get bored when you hear supply chain. I find it fascinating, and cargo in general. But um, uh, it, it's just one more complexity, right, to the airlines coming out of um, of the coronavirus pandemic. Absolutely. It makes you wonder if some of the larger carriers might see some similar challenges when, as they bring their craft in for maintenance. Though you could argue, I think, uh, some of the large, uh, barring American, I mean, the largest carriers often still have some of their planes in storage. So it could be the flip side. It's just they, they have the all the, the capacity within their fleet to, like you said, have spares and right. to avoid any, any operational issues, though the maintenance uh, situation might still be um, still take longer than normal. Right. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting. And Mesa, you know, the one interesting thing that came out of Mesa and I found it interesting. I know you're, you're bored, but um, guessing it's cargo. It is cargo. (laughs) So early in the pandemic, CEO Jonathan Ornstein was very excited about the, the aircraft, the 737s that it acquired to operate for DHL. These are 737-400Fs that it was going to fly for DHL. They added two, they, they're in the process of adding their third. And he, you know, a year ago said we, we're going to have a fleet of as many as 10 of these things, but um, they were more measured. They said, yeah, we will grow, but it'll be incremental passenger. The passenger side of the house has more potential. And um, interestingly, they're looking at um, dash 800 F's for future growth instead of dash 400. Why so, do you say interestingly, I would imagine there's more dash 800 F's out there in the market than there are 400. I'm sure there are, but I'm sure the 400 F's are cheaper. That is true. That is true. So um, anyway, uh, there's also some news. We're Like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday, August 10th. And um, Congress how, was a little Senate. busy today. Yes, the Senate <laughs> was a little busy today. Yes. The U.S. Senate has, uh, has approved Biden's bipartisan infrastructure package, which uh, includes about a little over a trillion dollars of infrastructure spending over eight years. And within that is a lot of aspects to it. There's 25 billion earmarked for airports in the U.S. Uh, so that's, uh, that's good news for the airline industry. It's uh, it's not yet clear exactly, you know, what that money will go for. We don't have airports lining up for projects just yet. But, right. you know, some obvious winners are probably going to be next-gen uh, air traffic control updates, you know, some of the money set aside for that, and then also some new terminal projects. I, I know here in Washington, the airport authority is already, so, you know, prepping some potential concourse expansions to, you know, uh, apply for some of those funds. But yeah, what what are you, what are your thoughts, Madhu? Well, I will not believe it until the 
until the bill is actually enacted, until the ink is dry on President Biden's signature. Um, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen between now and then, right? I mean, the House has said already that, and I'm not going to get into congressional mumbo jumbo, but the House has said it, it won't even consider this bill until um, the $3.5 trillion spending package that will be passed on a party line vote in the Senate is also passed. Now, whether that ha- that will kick this into fall before there's even a House debate. Um, so even without reconciliation, we're, we're talking, I mean, the house on recess, probably it's going to be September-ish. It'll drag on longer than that. So it's great news that 69 senators, I believe, voted for, um, for this bill. It shows there's incredible bipartisan appetite for hard infrastructure, as it were. It's great for airports. I haven't seen the text of the bill to see, know whether there's any, if like next gen is or air traffic control modernization is considered hard infrastructure, I'd be curious to see how much money goes to that. But um, I think ten billion of the twenty five billion for airports can go to air traffic control. But uh, again, don't quote me on that. But I'm I'm fairly positive. Okay. So, but once readers again, can email and, and <laughs> let me know if I'm completely wrong. But that's that's my understanding. All of this could change. So, um, so. It's promising. It's it's great news for the industry. Um, I am just color me skeptical. As we know, Madhu is always skeptical, <laughs> but that's a good place to be with Congress. You know, yes. it's uh, it, things take interesting paths to getting passed. Though it's it's interesting that we don't have the House lining up already to to vote on it because it seems like you know why not delay this win for for the president for, for Congress? But well, I think that's yeah, that's just me. <laughs> The point is delaying the win for the president, um, at least in the the minority in the House. And um, the Democrats have the majority, but only a four seat majority. So it's not really, um, you know, and there, there are many factions to the party that really want to see more the reconciliation bill. So it's just a mess. It's con- it's, it's a, a mess. mess. I love it. It's a mess, but it's um, like I we said. Should, I should note that Madhu loves this from San Francisco while I'm standing here. <laughs> Less than two miles from the Capitol, and I could literally care less. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what's that? There's an adage about old dogs and new tricks, and I used to live in D.C. I lived in D.C. for a very long time. Um, anyway, Definitely. Ned. And for the record, I just checked. There is $5 billion of the $25 billion for airports is earmarked for air traffic control uh, towers or systems. Well, so. towers and systems, but that's not the – what about the FA's next-gen project? The I, I would read that as being part of systems, but you know, I guess it could be read another way. Yeah, well, if anyone knows, feel free to email Ned at er at skiff.com and me at mu at skiff.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on infrastructure and what we got right and what we got wrong. Tell Madhu that it's going to be passed in no time. <laughs> and on that note, because it will not be passed in no time, uh, on that note, I um, want to thank all of you for joining us again for another episode of the airline weekly lounge uh for those of you who subscribe to airline weekly please remember that we are off on our summer hiatus um from starting august 16th so we will the last issue we publish will be august 16th and we will return on september 6th the which is the tuesday after labor day however we will continue updating the site with air um aw daily throughout our hiatus so we'll still be around um and if you have any tips, feedback, or anything else for us, you can reach Ned at erskift.com. You can reach me at mu at skift.com. Thank you for joining us, and we will be podcasting to you during our hiatus next week. Thanks, Madhu. Have a good one.
Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. <laughs>